welcome to the AFR Ratings Podcast, Ran for Rep. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. We'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryans. How are you, Aaron? Good, Pete. Happy Sunday. Yes, happy Easter Sunday. Uh, you commentated uh, at the Adelaide Oval on Saturday, Adelaide versus Fremantle, and uh, the Adelaide Crows put in a comprehensive performance. Yeah, it was really exciting to see it, considering the, the first two rounds were a bit iffy in terms of their high-pressure brand of footy and if it was sustainable with, with the younger side. But I think on reflection now, you'd say, you know, the the high-temperature game in Sydney probably wore them out a bit. Six-day break playing Richmond, we saw glimpses, but they just couldn't sustain it. And uh, now the last few weeks have, have certainly shown what they can do at their best. So uh, it makes Thursday night against Carlton really enticing, to be honest, because they, they've got a nice brand that will certainly match up against the Blues. But, yeah, yeah it, it feels like Adelaide could push towards the eight and Fremantle, meanwhile... Um, yeah, pretty dismal. I mean, they just haven't learnt. The, the first few weeks, their slow ball movement and chip mark isn't the modern game anymore. It's it's all about fast, frenetic footy, as we saw with, you know, Collingwood. You know, they're the, the benchmark almost with the way they move the ball at pace and Fremantle at the polar opposite, and they're being left behind at the moment. Yeah, strong contested numbers from Adelaide uh, against Fremantle. And, yeah, I, I totally agree. So that Carlton matchup this week... Like uh, for me, I, I, I believe um, Adelaide would be very much in that game on Thursday night. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that it might come down to the bookends whether Harry Mackay plays or not. Um, I think the you know the dynamic duo forward is always pretty imposing. But um, does Sam Walsh play? Maybe that evens things up in the middle. Otherwise, I think Adelaide may actually win the clearance battle. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be high pressure, like sellout crowd, fifty thousand in the venue, the starter gather rounds to this historic moment. Uh, it, it could spell an upset. You never know with those types of scenarios. Just the the feeling and the momentum of it all. It just leaves a little bit of unpredictability. Yeah, the Crows could actually be four and zero. So obviously they faded out the second half of against the Giants, and they were within a point, I believe, in that game against Richmond. So it could have quite easily, you know, a few moments go Adelaide's way. They could have been four and zero, and we'd be talking about a much different Adelaide. Yeah, and you can say the same for, for Carlton in that, you know, North Melbourne pushed them pretty heavily in the opening half of Good Friday. and um, That was largely as a result of their pressure and their quick ball movement and their clean entries inside 50s. So it's just about sustainability. Can you do a four quarters against an elite side? And that'll be the, the biggest test of the season for Adelaide come Thursday night. Let's get into Adelaide versus Fremantle rap. Talk about some individual plays here. So Jordan Dawson through the middle of the ground, but he did go back late. Yeah, I think um, he's definitely going to get heavy midfield minutes moving forward. We spoke to Matthew Nix on SA Grandstand in the build-up to the game, and, and they were very eager to get him in. And they did so at times through the showdown, and, and they were hoping to increase that time on the weekend, and they did just that. So uh, I think they're pretty settled down back now. The first few rounds, they just needed to make sure everything was in sync, and he was kind of the general there and was kept a little deep. But, yeah, now he's right in the guts and he's finding plenty of footy around the ground and almost starting the chains. And he's kind of always there when Adelaide get a nice flow on the counter. So I don't see that role changing anytime soon, which is, yeah, really good for him because he's finding plenty of footy. Rory Lead received some attention on Saturday, but he was still solid inside the contest. Yeah, I think, um, again, found plenty of the footy. It's just his role's changed a little bit now because of how Adelaide's playing with that fast ball movement. He's probably handballing more than he was kicking. He's not getting a lot of marks uh, because, again, they're, they're just trying to move the ball at pace. So um, he got a little bit of work, but nothing too major. Uh, I think he, he's still going to be you know, a 25-plus kind of player, um, but we'll talk about it a bit later about how that impacts his fantasy scores. 
Isaac Rankin and Josh Rochelle combined for six goals, another positive for the Crows. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're firing on all cylinders. I think the, the Rankin question was, could he continue week on week to score as well as he had been? And yeah, he's getting multiple goals per game now. He's electric around the ground. At times, he's actually setting up entries, so he's pushing up to the half forward and sometimes to the wing. Um, he's attacking the footy really bravely, and, and a lot of that is just the fact that he's back home. And I know there's a lot of chatter about leaving the Suns, who have obviously lost a lot of players over the past few years, but he, he was worth every penny. And, and sometimes you look at a Jason on Francis, for example, just a, a change of scenery. I mean, Tyson Stengel moving to Geelong a couple of years ago, him being home has, has certainly opened up his game. He's happy to be there. He's, you know, yeah, more energetic at the footy, attacking and giving his all, really, for this footy club. And it's really exciting to see because it's just the beginning of, you know, what he could potentially be. He's still quite young, um, but he's a general up forward in a way. You know, if we didn't see Charlie Kerno kicking as many as he did, you know, Isaac Rankin would be in contention for the Coleman right now. He's certainly a top 10 goal kicker. So... Um, it's really exciting that he's doing this consistently now rather than just uh, bits and bobs of an X-Factor player. That Adelaide playing list is building quite nicely. And if, if, obviously, if we refer to Rankin and Michelli, their ceiling is very, very high. Definitely. I think from the Rochelle aspect, he, he wants to play in the midfield and he's asked to do that in the preseason. He's built his body up for it and he's getting those goes. And again, he's still hitting the scoreboard so he can float between both, which is great because he's dynamic. But he's finding the footy a lot more now. In the first few rounds, when he started to get into the midfield, he did look a little out of place. But I think it's working, and, and this will be a long-term project for Matthew Nix that maybe they don't need to find that big-body midfielder that the Crows fans have been hammering for the past few years because it, it is hard to bring a, a player of that talent over the border if they're not South Australians. So why not look within? And Josh Rochelle could be that guy. He could be the third midfielder for them moving forward. Well, Fremantle uh, were, were pretty poor, I would say, on Saturday. So Caleb Sarong was quite strong. Andrew Brayshaw got there late. But that was pretty much it for the Dockers on Saturday. Yeah, it's a weird one. I, I remember, obviously, Brayshaw and Sarong getting plenty of the football. But it, it didn't feel like Brayshaw was that impactful. Again, he was certainly head over the footy in the guts, grabbing it out. But not so much the, the director of their rebounding. Caleb Sarong, meanwhile, has taken a massive step. I was always a little cautious in the first couple of years because you were kind of waiting and waiting you know when is he going to become this elite midfielder and we'd seen a couple of games here and there of him breaking that ceiling but otherwise he was almost second fiddle purely because I think David Mundy was still in there and that Fife was still getting in there and now you know the shackles have been unleashed and and he's actually finding space a lot of the time when you see him having the footy he's got time to turn and go there's no pressure because he's figured out how to get away from contests, which is really exciting for him because now he's finding a lot of the football, but it's actually damaging when he uses it. Let's talk some uh, fantasy rap now with Adelaide and Fremantle. So 122 points from Jordan Dawson. Many will be still be on the fence here with Dawson, obviously with a flippant roller. For me, it's fine, either midfield or halfback. Uh, with many sitting on the fence, this is one player that I am interested in. How about yourself? Yeah, I've got Jordan Dawson. I started with him from the beginning of the season. And I think uh, the messaging that I've taken out of this week, which will continue through the next few plays that we chat about, is if you look at defenders and forwards and even in the midfield at times, getting 100 is actually a lot harder these days. It feels like getting these higher averaging premiums isn't a consistent issue or isn't a consistent guarantee, I should say, at the moment. So for someone like Jordan Dawson, who 
at his worst is an 80s player, but at his best is a 120 player. Um, you know, he, he will end up averaging high 90s to 100s, um, which, to be honest, the, the state of the game is a pretty reliable player. He, he's not going to drop off and give you 60s, which some of the other premiums are certainly doing. Um, again, he's going to play in the midfield, so he's going to play find plenty of footy, but still hit the scoreboard, still take plenty of marks. So he's an all-round guy that feels like a pretty safe bet at his price. As I mentioned earlier, Andrew Brayshaw got there late, 100 points for him, quite solid. Yeah, I think, again, he, he hasn't been as good as a Clayton Oliver, for example, but he's reliable, and that's kind of what you need at times. He, he took the big step last year to improve his average, and he's, he's continued that. You know, his, his lowest score was 90 in the Derby. Otherwise, he's gone 114, 120, 108. So you're getting your money's worth with Brayshaw, and, and thankfully, because of that 80, he'll, um, he'll drop in price. His break-even was 135. With a 108, he will drop a little bit. So hopefully, for those who don't have him, he, he can be an upgrade around the buys, you'd think, but um, yeah, he's going to be a top eight midfielder by the end of the year. 106 from Caleb Strong, strong again. Yeah, uh, and value. As I mentioned before, I, I didn't start with him this year because he'd burnt me a few fair few seasons ago where you were hoping he'd take that next step, and I think he's taken it now. Because in, in the past few years, we'd see the odd 110, 120, and then it would disappear into 80s. Um, he's consistently put together three tons now. Um, and he's done so pretty comfortably in the way, as I mentioned, he's playing his footy where he's, he's finding it comfortably. He's getting out in space. So um, I really like the potential of Caleb Sarong. A lot of that is, yeah, Monday gone and, and Fife playing forward even when he returns. Um, I don't think his position is in any danger. He's going to be high centre bounce appearances. He's certainly the link man. So, yeah, I think anyone that got on him has done an incredible job and there'll be a fair few coaches this week who'll probably use him as a downgrade or upgrade target with someone like a Jackson McRae or a Rory Laird um, because he's certainly value as a player who can average 100. Next one here, Luke Ryan. So 96 points for Ryan, 22 disposals and six marks. Yeah, it's a funny old one with Luke Ryan because he goes 156 round one and most of us would probably say, look, we, we probably shouldn't get on. He's going to make money, but it's a one-off. You know, He's not going to be able to do this consistently, but the the way that Fremantle are playing with this slow ball movement, there is a lot of kick marking across defensive 50. And again, I'm still hesitant to jump on purely because there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on Fremantle for the way they played on the weekend. They need to pick up their ball movement. So maybe that's not going to stick around, the, the kick marking and the the high possessions, but he's still finding it quite a lot. And again, when we talk about premium struggling, Luke Ryan is scoring well, and eventually, I mean, his price is already pushing towards nine hundred thousand purely because of the way he started. So it's a tough one to say, hey, look, go sideways to him or even upgrade to him because there may be bigger names around him, but he's scoring well. It's just I'm not sure if it's sustainable because Fremantle need to change. Yeah, I agree. If if Fremantle uh, show any uh, change whatsoever, they could um, put up. Uh, Pretty poor scoring rate for Luke Ryan there. So let's move on to the next one here. So Sean Darcy, 92 points, quite solid in the ruck again. Didn't get there with a ceiling game, high ceiling game this week. Yeah, I think the good thing is he was up against an actual ruckman, whereas, you know, last week against West Coast, he's playing against Bailey Williams and gets 52 hitouts. That's not going to happen every week. And, and they're, you know, look at the North Melbourne game, pulling a 61 against Goldstein, and you wonder, is he going to be a premium ruck? Well, he, he's put 100 on... Uh, Ron Marshall, and, and now he's got pretty close to that against Riley O'Brien, who 
is one of the best hit-out ruckmen in the league. So he's been able to find other ways to score. He still had 38 on the weekend, but 17 disposals to go alongside that. So he's getting around the ground and finding the footy, which we want from our ruckmen. You know, hit-outs is only one way of scoring, and you need to be almost a midfielder in a way to, to be relevant. And I think 92 from Sean Darcy is a good return, and to the point where, you know, Gold Coast next week, does Jared Witt's play? Maybe not, in which case he's up against Ned Moyle. Um, and then Tim English at, at Perth Stadium is, is a tough little run there. But, yeah, I think it's worth holding him for now. Rory Lee, 84 points. Now, a uh, bit of a change in game style, not so much slow ball movement from the Crows, uh, willingness to go forward at every opportunity, or most opportunities at least anyway. Some attention there on the weekend. Uh, three scores out of four under 100 points. A little bit of concern here for those who spend up early. Yeah, it's brutal for those who held. I, I jumped off round one to Oliver, which feels like a masterstroke now looking back, but it, it certainly wasn't a confident move because Rory Laird felt a bit set and forget that he was going to have bad games, but he'd, he'd have that high ceiling as we saw 142 round two. But this is a consistent problem now. I, I think for what you're paying, he's lost 100,000 already. He's got back-to-back 80s because he's a high handballing player who's not marking anymore. So but that's a real problem. I think for what you're paying and for those that are around him, this isn't sustainable. You're going to lose so much value that you you probably should sideways trade. And and to be honest, this may be the week to do it. If we look at the rookies, imagine most people brought in Van Royen this week. Ned Moyle's probably the only one who's worth getting at the moment. And even then, is he going to play if Jared Witts is available? I'm not sure. So unless there's a debutante name that we think is going to go big... This may be the week to sideways and, and fix up a couple of your issues like your Doherty's, like your Rory Laird's. So um, I think at this rate, I mean, I haven't seen what his break-even is going to be, but he headed into the round 144 and pulled an 80. So he's just going to plummet and continue to plummet. Um, You've you got to get off before you lose you know, over 200000 on him. Last year, Rory Laird, 33 disposals. This year, just averaging just under 28 uh, and the tackle numbers last year was 8.1 tackles per game and 4.5 this year. So a uh, bit of a drop-off in that area. Marks are down a little bit, but not too significant there as well. So, yeah, a bit of a drop-off. And once the ball leaves that area and there's no repeat stoppages, you know, that's out of Laird's area. So maybe that's the reason for the big drop-off in average there. Alrighty, so let's move on to the round four fantasy wrap. So we'll go through a few players here. So Nick Dacos... Again, strong numbers, quite in the second quarter against Brisbane, but you know, this high ceiling, uh, one player that could be you know, right up there, pretty much near the number one rank this year, could be Nick Dacos, and he was very solid again. Yeah, he's, he's certainly probably going to be the best defender this year, which is incredible. Um, yeah, he, he's consistently scoring 100s. He hasn't gone under that. So, um, yeah, remarkable from a, a second-year player what he's been doing, and yeah, you, you've got to get him in, I think, at this stage. You know, he's still going to be making money, but he's set and forget now to the point where he's, he's a VC option, which, you know, a lot of people ran with this week. Um, yeah, Collingwood's going to have a lot of these primetime games early in the week that's worth using him for. Um, so, yeah, I love what Nick Dacos is putting out there. He's an all-round talent. Um, there was some criticism, obviously, about his courage in some contests, but he's still young. He's going to improve on that, but just finds the footy. Next one here, Harry Sheasel. So, again, strong halfback role. And as long as he stays in that role, that drawing rate should be strong. 
Yeah, and even so, like I, I get that he's still getting a couple of cheapies from kickouts and when they kick across and switch across the back half, but he's still finding space at times. When it gets quite high pressure and there's a lot of players around the footy in the defensive 50, he still finds space and is able to work nicely with Zeeble. So um, I think, you know, role is right. Even though he's a first-year player, he's clearly mature and understands the game. And on top of that, this is some incredible scoring. Like, he's averaging 118 for a first-year player. We could easily rename the Michael Barlow medal to the Harry Sheasel medal if he continues at this rate. And you're always worried about when the rookie wall is going to come. It, it doesn't matter with Harry Sheasel because his break-even has been in the negatives the last three weeks, and it's going to continue for a long period of time at the way that he's going. And um, the hardest part is going to be, do you jump off at any point, or do you just stay with him until the end of the way that he's going because there's probably going to be some point where he, he pulls a 60 or a 70 and then the, the question then becomes is he still the 100 player that we've known to love or is, is it time to actually use him to upgrade to someone else, the more premium option, but the way that he's going, he could be there for the rest of the year. Next one here, Tim English. So it was with it, the MCG against Richmond on Saturday. 145 points from English was no concern, and he absolutely dominated. Yeah, he's killing me because I don't own him, to be honest. But um, I was never a huge fan of getting on Tim purely because of the injury risk. But at some point, he's going to burn everybody. But then Jared Witts does that this weekend. So, um, yeah, Tim Tim's scoring incredibly well. He's averaging 20 touches for a Ruckman. So he's getting around the ground over 20 hit-outs a game. He's scoring. It's an all-rounder performance from a ruck. This is everything that we'd want, and the ceiling is just incredibly high. And he's done it against the best. So Melbourne round one, when they had Gorn and Grundy. Rowan Marshall round two. Oscar McInerney round three. And Toby Nankervis round four. All 110 plus. And it just opens up from here. So Port Adelaide this coming weekend on Saturday night. You know Scott Lysi is not really rolling right now. So that's an easy game for him. Sean Darcy, the round after that would be difficult, but then he goes Hawthorne Giants, Carlton. Uh, That's a really easy run. (laughs) So I think he's just going to keep going. I can't see anything stopping him right now from from being a 110 player. Next one here, 159 points and a whopping performance from Noah Anderson. He was a leap through that midfield for Gold Coast. Yeah, it's incredible how one game like that can completely change your average. <laughs> He's a 98 averaging player now after an abysmal start to the year. And, and I was shocked by his first three games. He looked electric through the preseason. It felt like this was the year for him to take that next step and be at that two Miller level. And we just didn't see it in the first few weeks. Um, and all of a sudden, bang, 159. <laughs> I don't know how many people would have had him, but surely not a lot. Uh, and for those who did, well played to you. The hardest part now is because he scored so well, it basically levels him out. So he's not really going to be value anymore from here on out. If you want to get on, now is the time to do it. And it's such a risk because he's had those bad scores before. You know, 159 as a one-off isn't going to be happening every week. And you only really want him as a 100-player. But is he going to be like a sarong of the last few years where he goes big and then disappears? And, and maybe that's what we're going to get from Noah Anderson. Uh, I don't have the confidence off 159 to back him in, but um, there might be some that say, hey, he's under 800,000 at the moment, and this is value. Yeah, I think he'll get some attention this week into the round five trade, certainly, that's for sure. But with your next one here, Brad Crouch, 125 points. He's making the most of Jack Steele being out of that midfield. Yeah, and I mean, he took a step last year, to be honest, but 
he's continued to be a pretty consistent top ten midfielder, which is incredible. After you know he left the Crows, um, and and you know they almost pushed him out the door in a way because they weren't happy with how he was playing. His tackling pressure is elite. He's finding a lot of the footy, and St Kilda are rolling. So it's kind of this perfect mix that he's gone from a hundred player as we saw last year to a consistent one ten. Like he's going to be a top eight midfielder at least for the first half of the year. So. Um, again, this may be someone who you look at if you've got a Jack McRae and you're looking around for alternatives because you can't quite get to a Clayton Oliver. So, yeah, it's a remarkable start to the year for the Saints. And, yeah, you're right, the Jack Steele injury has certainly helped, which, you know, is still a good month away at least. So um, there's no danger of Brad Crouch getting any worse from here. Took Miller pops in a season-high 120 points. He scored 100 points or more in three of four games this year. Yeah, very consistent, I think. We were kind of hoping for that 120 as a premium option. He was you know, probably priced in the top five, I think, from memory. Um, and he showed that on the weekend. But consistently, he's getting 25-plus. He's tackling around five-plus as well. So, yeah, he's the Tuke Miller we know and love. He's not going to burn you. But hopefully, he can be more of what we saw on the weekend, week in, week out, rather than just 100, you kind of want 120-plus because that was when he was at his greatest, when he was, you know, completely obliterating. So, again, Noah Anderson took Miller both big games against St Kilda. Is is that going to continue or is that a one-off because of the way the Suns played? We'll have to wait and see. Next one here, Mason Redmond. Now, he scores 122 points for the Bombers on Sunday. He scored 100 points or more in three or four games this year as well. Yeah, and I love the way he played, to be honest. He's got so much pace. He's just darting up the wings, having shots on goal. He's the best form of a halfback that you'd want. He's not only getting a lot of kick marks, but that extra man in the midfield when he pushes up. So I really love the role. He's kind of what we wanted out of Andrew McGrath, but we haven't got that. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a good option. Again, when we talk about the lack of good premium defenders right now, Mason Redmond puts his name up for that, or his hand up for that, and and he's at a decent price at the moment. He's obviously going to probably go above 800k once lockout's lifted, but that's still not a bad area. If, again, you, maybe you're looking for some cash to improve your midfield or help out Rory Laird, and you could go dock down to Redmond. I don't actually think that's dangerous, as it would sound in the opening few rounds. It actually looks pretty safe because of the way Redmond is playing and the Bombers are using the footy. Yeah, interesting. The Bombers got a pretty difficult draw coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, starting next week, they play Melbourne, then they've got Collingwood, then they've got Geelong, then there's Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval, then they've got Brisbane at the Gabba, uh, then they've got Richmond, who still should be strong. So that's a pretty difficult run upcoming. So if Essendon going to get see the stack of inside 50s, that's got to play right into the hands of Mason Redmond. It's pretty much still value, I would say, uh, especially the numbers he's putting up currently. So, But the only thing is there that, that they don't play at Marvel Stadium during that stretch. So, yeah, maybe the dry weather footy at uh, Marvel Stadium has helped him a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, interesting run uh, with regards to the Bombers coming up with the Gannikin set, a stack of inside 50s. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I think you, you've nailed it there. That It's a you know glass half full. They're going to get a lot of entries against them, which gives him a chance to find the footy. Glass half empty is Melbourne and Collingwood have a ton of forward pressure. So he's not going to get the easy kick marks because there's probably going to be the likes of, you know, your Cosy Pickett, your Kay Chandlers, your Bailey Fritches on your tail chasing you down. So um, that's going to be tough on the weekend. But on the road at Adelaide Oval, so it kind of opens things up. Mason Redmond's a South Australian, so he gets to come back home. Um, maybe he celebrates that 
by having another massive game. Next one here, Tom Green, 111 points. He was super strong in that midfield for the Giants again on Sunday. Yeah, the, the good thing is he's still such a high handball player, which limits his ceiling, but he is getting marks, he's tackling. So he's gone from that 90 or 80-90 player to 110 now because he's still finding his 30 touches as he was doing last year, but he's just doing a bit more around that. Uh, and that's just purely from his growth. He, he was a kid last year, and, and now he's almost a leader in the middle. And I imagine Richmond will come sniffing because of his, connection, his family connections, but um, he looks settled at the Giants. Yeah, it's a good role alongside Kelly and Cornelio. They, they've got a nice little midfield building there, and they've just got to sort out the bookends around it. But, yeah, I've really liked him. I started with him, obviously, this year because I thought he was good value, and, and he hasn't let me down. One player that could get some attention in a couple of weeks, especially if uh, defence is added to his name, and that's Lockie Whitfield, 100 points on Sunday against the Bombers. So he was quite solid. Now, interestingly, uh, obviously that was a season high. Concussed in round one, missed round two, 82 in round three, 100 on Sunday. So, you know, his salary uh, range is going to be quite appealing for many. Yeah, I really like him. Uh, he was one that I was eyeing off when he got injured in the re- in the first round and we all knew he was going to get DPP and his numbers reflect that. Um, but then he dropped the 80 and you kind of go, oh, look, is it worth it? At, at his current price, he's probably going to fluctuate a little bit and he won't be a 100 player. Um, and then he pulls out the performance on the weekend where he actually pushed quite high up the ground and found the footy through the middle at times. Uh, I, I really liked his game today. Uh, I thought it was... Um, everything that you'd want uh, out of a player that's going to get DPP. The issue is that's round six. So you've still got a couple of weeks to get there. Um, and he's probably about to kind of level out now because his break even was 116 and he's pulled 100. So if he has another good game against Hawthorne, which you'd imagine he would because they give up a lot of marks down back, um, that's probably it. So he's hit his ceiling and he's going to improve from there. So he's, he's probably going to be at his lowest around 730,000, which means you're going to have to take a gamble a week out from. DPP is being announced. He's going to get the, the DPP, but how do you fit him in into your midfield before that happens? It, it may be someone like a Cam McKenzie, depending on how he goes tomorrow in the Easter Monday game. Maybe he's the player you use to get up to a Lockie Whitfield, not even this week, but maybe next week, um, and then you can move him into your defence. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday night, so the game that's just finished is West Coast and Melbourne. We'll talk about a couple of plays here in a sec. Uh, we won't do the Hawthorne and Geelong game, obviously recording that pre that game. So just a couple of plays to finish here. Clayton Oliver, 129 points again and super strong, and his numbers in fantasy are becoming really elite, especially this year with regards to a drop-off from many others. Yeah, he's the best fantasy player in the game, I reckon. I, I know, I understand that. From, a, from an average perspective, there'll be a few around him that's contending, but I just think the way he does everything. He's, he continually finds space for Melbourne. He fights hard in the middle with his tackling, but he still gets a lot of marks. He's the chain player, um, keeps running. His tank is immense. Um, there's, there's a couple of games that, I mean, I remember watching him in the Brisbane one before the lights went out and thought he actually wasn't giving his all at times, and he still was managing to score. Like He didn't look that impressive. But he still got to 149 that night, whereas today against the Eagles, he, he had a, a bit of fire in him. He was certainly fighting as much as he could and ended up on 129. And he's just a set-and-forget captain. That's the main thing, which in a year where we're getting a lot of instability and players up and down, Clayton Oliver just feels incredibly safe. You know, Essendon this weekend, Richmond after that, North Melbourne. There's three games straight away where you leave this, the captaincy on him and you can use your VC, whatever, to loophole around their games. But I think 
he's the guy you just want there sitting back just in case. And the last one we'll talk about this week is Brodie Grenny, 190 points. Obviously a pretty decent matchup against West Coast uh, this week, but, you know, no Max Gorn, and he gets in there and posts another very good score. Yeah, and I think um, there would have been a few coaches who probably got, got him in last minute with the Jared Witso mission. So, um, yeah, kudos to you if you did because it, it, it may have completely altered the way you structured your team, but it, it was worth it for against West Coast, who we've talked, uh, spoken about the past few weeks. That Bailey Williams is just not competitive as a ruckman, and anyone that goes against him is going to score big. So um, Brody Grundy capitalised on that. But again, the, the good signs were that he was still getting around the ground, taking marks, kicking inside 50. So he's, he's not just a tap ruckman, as we've known from Brody Grundy of the past. So I'm not sure if it's too little too late. Uh, obviously, Max Gorn's probably three weeks away. Um, he's already sprinting in training, and the D said they will make sure that he takes his time, but he looks fit and learned to go already. So um, if you got on him before the Swans game, well done to you. With Essendon, Richmond, North to come, I'm not sure if it's too little too late with Gorn, you know, coming very shortly. Um, you'd, you'd probably need something to force your hand to get there, and that may be that Jared Witts doesn't get up this week, in which case straight swap, get Grundy in. But, yeah, I wouldn't be chasing him because there is that, you know, Max Gorn issue hanging overhead. Well, it's a busy week for you this week, Gather and coming up. So your busy schedule on the weekend, if you don't mind letting the listeners know, and obviously where to find your ABC. Yeah, really excited for this weekend. Everyone's coming from everywhere for it. We'll be broadcasting every game at the venue, at the venues, I should say. Um, the three that I'll be doing, so I'm on Thursday night, Adelaide Carlton, which is a sellout, uh, big game for both clubs. Uh, Saturday night, Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs, and then Sunday I'll be at Hawthorne and the Giants at Norwood. So very busy weekend, but uh, very excited for it. It's, it's going to be a massive historic occasion. And as I mentioned a few times across the pod, I think with all these teams being in the neutral venues, we could see a fair few upsets, which is very exciting. So I'm um, looking forward to it. You can hear me on the ABC Listen app across the weekend. Obviously, SA Grandstand Saturdays at 11. Um, we spoke to Matthew Nix on the weekend. We, we tend to speak to pretty big names. We brought the Crows and the Powers. So always good to get some insights there. Um, but, yeah, big weekend coming up. If you want to hear all the footy, jump on the Listen app. And you can find me at AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter, aflratings.com.au, for a stack of information to help your fantasy teams, and obviously AFL Ratings and associated Twitter accounts there. So, Aaron, all the best uh, research and trading this week, and we'll chat to you after gathering. Thanks, Pete.